Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home an auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> all right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Welcome to Total Wine & More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine & More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in-store or online at TotalWine.com. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the NBA Podcast. We've got a fun episode for you today because I have been abroad in Australia and New Zealand in the last two weeks and have watched about 30 minutes of basketball over that time. So I'm going to need my two trusty co-hosts to fill me in on everything that I missed, and then we're going to discuss each of the second round series moving forward. We're also going to talk about some front office overhauls in the Eastern Conference and whether the Knicks should consider trading Kristaps Porzingis. Hey, it's Jamie, Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Before we get underway, just wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find all three of our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can find us on iTunes as well. So it'd be great if you subscribe, downloaded, left some reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports. So check them out on Twitter at FanRag Sports and for their NBA content at FanRag NBA. You'll find lots of great playoff coverage. We've got the draft lottery coming up, so we'll have some draft content coming out there too. So check them out, FanRag Sports, at FanRag Sports and at FanRag NBA. As always, I'm joined by my two trusty co-hosts, Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. How's it going, you two? Well-oiled machine. <laughs> Jesus. We did not have that going for us last week, Sarah. No, we didn't. And I love that he calls us trusty because he's going to count on us to catch him up. I don't think either of us watched very much basketball this week either. Not, not particularly. So this, no, this should go really well. My bachelor's project. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I've been working like crazy, too. So this will go really smoothly, I'm sure. Yeah, well, you guys were not 14 hours ahead of Eastern Conference time, this so I think <laughs> Eastern Conference time, Eastern time zone. Apologies <laughs> in advance, everyone, because I'm also just super six hours. Lagged. Yeah, I know more. I have way more respect for you following basketball <laughs> now because it's it's impossible over there. It's crazy. It is. Yeah, it is. 
Um, all right, so let's talk about, let's start with probably the most entertaining of the four second round series going on right now, the Celtics-Wizards brouhaha. <laughs> we had a feeling that this would turn ugly quickly, uh, just based on, you know, they had that regular season rivalry going on, they had that weird funeral game that the Wizards hosted. Did not take long for this one to also get some hostility involved. Uh, it sounds like, guys, Isaiah Thomas, he lost a tooth. Am I right? <laughs> that's that's yeah. all I saw from all the headlines was just, does Isaiah Thomas have a tooth? Or <laughs> did he leave a game because he's now missing a tooth again? So what what happened there? Where, where Was that an intentional thing or was it an accident? Uh, I, I think it was an accident, but I, look, the medical reports on Isaiah has been pretty weird. Then suddenly it was reported he had a broken jaw. Mm-hmm. Oh. Then they announced he didn't have a broken jaw. It was, <laughs> it's really weird. Like, what's up with Isaiah? Nobody really knows, except that he's missing a tooth. Okay. But they, but they he, so he got it knocked out again in game three, right? But then he is now, is he going to, like play with the fake tooth again or is he just going toothless the rest of the playoffs or do we not know i'm actually not sure but i I've, you know if i was him i would probably just go toothless just and you know i, I would just mean muck people now yeah. just just show show them that whole like i'm tough as hell just look <laughs> at me like i'm playing with one less tooth right and besides like you know what you don't even need it he he hit for 53 anyway like right everybody's scared of him right now yeah i did see i was what following my game cast at the airport in uh from new zealand to back to sydney and i was like oh it's the fourth quarter there's one minute left and isaiah has how many points cool <laughs> yeah okay uh, the other thing I saw was Kelly Oubre and Kelly Olenek got into a little bit of a brawl. It looked like Olenek set a hard screen. Oubre did not take kindly. Oubre is now suspended for game four. Um, and then it looked like, I guess, the Wizards... Am I right on this? The Wizards blew... They ha- they jumped out to like a 22-5 to lead in game one and then lost. And then had a double-digit lead in game two and also lost. Yeah. That's... Yeah, they started out sixteen and zero in the first game. <laughs> so and and then they ended up losing. It was pretty amazing. I, I was doing my assignment at that point in time, so I was kind of box score watching initially, uh-huh. and I had plans to like turn the game on a little bit later on. And then I start and then I saw the score sixteen zero. I was like, oh okay, so this one is practically over. Sure, you know, like, sixteen point deficit to open the game. That's gonna be impossible and then i just said you know screw it i'm gonna work on my assignment and then the game was over and i got like a notification saying boston beats washington i was like wait what they must have you know typed out that wrong and i was in nope nope no they did not they that was certainly accurate so yeah boston uh fought back and i i caught some of you know the day the game you know condensed and man they're scrappy and it seems like they've found some sort of identity mm-hmm. in in fighting back when when down. I mean, look, the Bulls series zero and two, and they come back and win four straight. And here they open the two games against Washington, being down and fighting back. I don't know if that's their new mo, but it sure as hell is functioning. So that's going to lead me to my first question about this series moving forward. More, do you think the Celtics? I mean, the Wizards blew their shot at this series already. No, not necessarily. Um, I mean, I, at this point, I'm not discounting John Wall for anything. He is just playing out of his mind. 28 a game, over 12 assists, over two steals, two blocks. You know, he is 
he's really running the show. He's just being overshadowed right now by Isaiah and his gaudy numbers, but Washington seems to be extremely solid, and the Game 3 win was, was huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it was pretty convincing as well. It wasn't, I mean, I, when I saw the game, I felt like they were they were in control throughout, mm-hmm. more or less. Even, in, you know, they had some runs, and Boston had some runs, but the game never really felt, you know, it didn't get away from them. So we'll see how they do in Game Four. I'm I'm a little, little nervous because I I do want this series to go far. Mm-hmm. I want it to go to like seven games because it's so intense and it's <laughs> interesting. But uh, so I don't really want Boston to win this one quite yet. But you know we'll see what happens. I don't think they're out. I think John Wall is ready. I think he's meshing pretty well with Bradley Beal. Marching Gartat has found his game again. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to like. Yeah. And uh, it looked like, so Isaiah had 53 in Game 2, but Game 3 he wasn't all that good from what I saw. Um, I caught about three minutes of this game on the plane back from Sydney, but then the the signal for the live TV was terrible, so I decided to watch movies instead. So, <laughs> Sarah, did, do you think the Wizards figured out something in Game 3, how to slow down Isaiah a little bit? I don't know. <laughs> He seems impossible to slow down. That seems to be the consensus. Uh, whether that's because of carrying or not, <laughs> that's that's the theory <laughs> that's out there. Um, no, I don't know if they figured that out. I think something that they can go to is they, they smashed him in points in the paint. So mm-hmm. I would try to continue doing that. Um, Bogdanovich had a good game. Um, Otto Porter, I think, had his best game of the series so far. So hopefully they can get mm. those guys going a little bit. Uh, obviously, they're going to be... They're already thin to begin with. They're going to be a little thinner because Oubre basically got himself kicked out of two games, you know, because <laughs> he went out in the first half of the other one. Was not wise, but, um, yeah, I'd say. Hopefully they can get some of those shooters going, spread the floor a little yeah. bit, and hit them in the paint. So, I, one question. Who is... Isaiah guarding in this in this series is he guarding Waller Beal or are they putting him on Porter mostly? I, I've seen him a little bit on on all three a little bit, but okay. uh, mostly on Wall. Most of Wall, okay. Uh, so, more how important do you think Ubre's suspension is going to be in Game Four? It's going to be huge because he's he's played well and, but but here's the thing though, I I, I actually think it's going to fire up the rest of his teammates because he Kelly Olynyk. You know, did a, put a lot of hard screens on him throughout the game, uh-huh. in which he was thrown out. It wasn't that one play that did it; it was like two or three plays mm. before that, where he's just hitting him and and grabbing him and doing all kinds of weird stuff. Uh-huh. And so, so Olenek, or sorry, Ubre, reacting to that matter is sort of like a necessity, you know, a necessity mm-hmm. because he wants he needs to show people, you know, I'm not one that you could just push around like that. I need to prove myself a little bit tough. And, you know, <laughs> Washington fed off of that energy. Mm. And I could totally see that, like, John Wall using that as motivation for Game 4 as well. Like, you know, this is one of my guys, and he he's, he's he got screwed. Like, yeah. that's probably going to be the motive for Washington coming out. Mm. So we'll see. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I do... I would miss the presence of Oubre because he's been shooting well. He's been giving them a presence that he didn't really give them a whole lot of in the regular season. Mm-hmm. It seems like he's a little bit more playing ready right now. So uh, it, it has to be more minutes to Bogdanovich and Otto Porter again would need to you know climb back into this series. Like Sarah said, his his best game was here in in Game Three, 
and he didn't even hit a three there. Like he mm. needs to get that outside shot going a little bit and his inside game. So he, he needs to take a little bit more responsibility for game four, which I think he can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know he's been dealing with back spasms intermittently throughout kind of like the end of the regular season, and I think at the playoffs too. So who knows how much that's affecting him. It did seem like Bogdanovich. I was, you know, I, most of most of what I've been doing the last couple of weeks is just following box scores after they happen. Uh, and I noticed that Bogdanovich like did not really play. I think he played eight minutes in game two, which seems like a strange decision. So, yeah, I, I think you guys are onto something that he's going to need be needed in game four a lot more. I did see Scotty Brooks even had a quote like he screwed up by playing Bogdanovich so little in game two, but now that Ubre is out. I, it does seem like he's going to have a much bigger role off the bench. Yeah. I want to ask you guys, more you first, what is your updated prediction for this series? Oh, yeah. I, I, do, I believe I had Washington initially in like six mm. or maybe seven. I don't remember what I actually chose there in terms of games, but I, I did think Washington. And there's a part of me that wants to maintain that simply because I think that backcourt and the rebounding uh, superiority is going to hang on. Mm-hmm. But it's so difficult to go against any Isaiah-led team <laughs> yeah, right now. Right. And, I mean, look, the fact that the lineup change, you know, with Gerald Green coming in worked. And it just, it, it Boston plays small, but they play effectively small right now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really impossible to properly predict their outcome game to game. So I, I'm going to stick to it with the caveat that Boston right now is scary as hell. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to keep saying Washington simply because of those advantages, but I, w- I feel very much more uncertain about it. Mm-hmm. Um, Sarah, what about you? Where do you land on this series now? It's very similar to Morton. I really don't remember what I picked either, but I think I also had like Washington in six. Mm-hmm. Um and like I, I really still want Washington to pull it off, but I, <laughs> yeah. like my head is telling me that the Celtics are gonna gonna figure it out. Um, uh, I'd I just kind of rather see Cavs Wizards, even though the Cavs have just dismantled everything so far in the playoffs. But I don't know. I, I think I'll stay Washington as well. Washington in seven. I like it, yeah. yeah. So I did yeah. not have a chance to give a prediction last week, but had I done so, I think a couple weeks ago when we gave our playoff hot takes, my lukewarm take was Washington over Boston in six in this round, uh, which I would have stuck with. But now I'm with you guys. Like I think I just have no interest in a Cleveland-Boston series. So for that reason, mostly that reason alone, since I haven't actually seen... <laughs> any except for two choppy minutes of this series i'm gonna stick with washington i'll go seven though because where i'm with you I, I feel like at this point you cannot doubt isaiah thomas at all it seems like he's just gonna there's nothing he cannot overcome if he's gone through what he's gone through over the last three weeks and has come yeah. out you know firing 53 points in a playoff career high um so let's turn to your spurs sarah the other <laughs> actually interesting second round series uh i was telling you guys before we started recording today that i was glad i actually missed last week because had i been on i would have probably predicted the rockets to win this one in six and then i see game one you know it's a 30 point blowout james harden goes off it seems like all of their shooters went crazy Kawhi did not have that much 
supporting cast in game one. Then game two, Kawhi goes nuclear. Harden does the opposite. Um, unfortunately, the Spurs had a big injury, which we will talk about in a minute. And then game three, it looked like that. This is the only game I've seen in like two weeks, aside from Bucks Raptors game five, which I watched five <laughs> minutes before falling asleep. Uh, I, I watched all of game three. And, you know, I was I was hearing that LaMarcus Aldridge was terrible in the first two games, but then naturally the game I see, he's a beast and looks like the best player on the court. So, Sarah, I want to first talk to you about LaMarcus. What did you see from him in those first two games, and what changed in game three? Well, we didn't see too much in the first two games. Um, it just... Honestly, the the Rockets just jumped on them from the start in Game One, and Spurs never really got anything going. Um, so I think that made it even harder for a guy like Lamarcus, whose whose game is slower. The Spurs kind of got into a fast game and never were able to slow down and feed him at all. And it just it just was awful <laughs> all the way around. It was a horrible game. Um, you know, in Game Three, they finally got to some things that honestly they did a lot of last year like the high low passes we didn't really see that much of this year for whatever reason um they finally figured out that you know hey we have this size advantage and we can run this little high low with uh pow at the high post passing over the top to lamarcus so he got a few of those he hit a few of his you know turnaround jumpers which is always a good sign for the spurs um he was in the, in there rebounding in the paint. You know, that's those are the main things. That's where he scores anymore. Um, but really, the biggest thing is, you know, defensively, they uh, they've been strong. They were they were pretty stingy in their pick and roll defense, which is not something they've been known for this mm-hmm. year. But uh, that was really where they stood out. I mean, Lamarcus and Powell both uh, have stepped up big the last two games, defensive rebounds and, and block shots. So. That's the biggest thing. And LaMarcus has a bad habit of swiping down a little bit, but he got away with it a few times in Game 3, got some clean strips. He's got to be careful. But there again, I mean, if it's Capella rolling, as long as you don't give up the wide-open lob, you know, fouling him isn't the worst thing because he's not a terrific free-throw shooter. But uh, I think you just want to make them try to finish over outstretched hands because Spurs do have the size. So, you know, make try to make them finish and try not to give up wide-open threes and Seems like that's what they're doing. Grant Hill pointed that out uh, on NBA TV post game. That it's very similar to the way the Spurs played the his sons in the 2000s, uh, mm. trying not to leave the shooters wide open. Kind of make they tried to make Nash a score and try to make Nash and Amari beat you. Now they're trying to make you know Capella and Harden beat them scoring, but not mm-hmm. not leave those shooters wide open. I think I think Houston still got some wide open looks. Spurs can do a better job, but but I like the yeah. strategy. Yeah. Um, so now we, we need to talk about the other big development mm-hmm. from the series. Tony Parker, he went down, I think it was in the fourth quarter of game two, and then had a torn left quad tendon. He is out for the playoffs, and we don't know how long or how much longer. It could be you know, beginning of next season as well, which we'll talk about once we have a better sense of. Uh, but... In his absence, DeJunte Murray moved into the starting lineup, scored two points in 14 minutes. Patty Mills, it seemed like he was basically the de facto starting point guard, uh, had 15 points on 4 of 14 shooting in Game 3. Uh, Pop has already said they're keeping the same starters for Game 4, so 
Murray's still going to start. I guess he likes Patty Mills' offense off the bench, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Sarah, how important do you think Parker's absence is moving forward? It's really important. I mean, the Spurs are built to to kind of just, you know, keep rolling with whoever they lose. But, I mean, that's something that they've kind of been lacking all year is that, that guy to break down the defense, get in the paint a little bit, and find people. And Tony was doing a really, really good job of that throughout the postseason thus far. Mm. Not only that, but he was hitting his threes. He was, he was scoring, I think, 15 or 16 a game, uh, even with one scoreless outing. So he was playing really well, and just the one thing that he always had, even you know throughout the season when he wasn't necessarily scoring a lot, was that he just knows the offense so well. He even honestly works his butt off on defense. That doesn't always work out for him, but you know he knows where he's supposed to be. Um, so I think they're just going to miss that more than anything. But uh, Deshante, he really got thrown into the fire. Uh, Patrick Beverly, right off the bat, uh, <laughs> stripped him several times. Uh, I expect he'll be a little stronger with the ball. I hope uh, tonight, but he's very slight framed. You know, it's gonna it's mm-hmm. gonna be hard for him. But uh, yeah, and honestly, I mean, you said Patrick uh, Patrick Mills, Patty Mills. I never called him Patrick before. That was weird. <laughs> um, kind of the de facto point guard, and honestly, more than anything, it's Kawhi. <laughs> Kawhi's yeah. controlling yeah. the game. So the only kind of okay thing about it is you get to see that but I'm really just disappointed for Tony you know he deserved sure. to to get to finish out this postseason the way he started it for sure mm-hmm. but uh just wish him a full recovery yeah yeah definitely yeah I mean <laughs> more you you gave Tony or I guess you and I both did we gave Tony the kiss of death before the Memphis series and then he proved us both wrong so it, it was a bummer you know I, I only saw from afar that he had gotten hurt and then I saw it in the airport uh, coming back from Sydney that he actually had the torn tendon. So, yes, it was all of really, us. It was really, really strange. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a, like yeah, he didn't I, even plant on it. You know, I thought at first it was his right knee because that's where he really landed. But oh, it was his yeah. left knee. And he, he kind of like drug it sideways. And I think uh-huh. maybe that's where it happened. Oh, oh, but it was just, I, just weird. You know, he's done that teardrop thousands of times sure, in his yeah. career. Oh, you know, and it's just it that honest. one. Oh, yeah, it was oh. a teardrop. Yeah, just oh, that one freak landing. Yeah, I I talked to Alex because you know we we both heard he couldn't put weight on the knee. We immediately mm-hmm. assumed ACL, but then once the diagnosis came out, she just w- cringed because it's not it's not a fun one. It's a mm-hmm. pretty painful injury, which makes sense based on it sounded like he had to be carried off the court. And, so yeah best wishes to tony hope he gets back next year because we would like to see more vintage tony especially in the playoffs uh more i do want to ask you about lou williams because you and i were both really high on him uh when houston picked him up at the trade deadline looked like he was pretty you know not like 30 points in game one but he played pretty well but the last two games he's been invisible so how does houston get him going you know what? I don't. I don't really think that Lou is one of those guys who's going to get open by a team making adjustments. Mm. He's one of those confidence players who creates his own chances and and needs to kind of dribble himself into a rhythm before he takes shots. So uh, maybe the only game plan is to let Lou be Lou a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like you simply give him the ball and say, you know what? Just take a couple possessions that's all yours where you have all the creative freedom see what happens I, I think really that's the only shot because 
they're passing the ball extremely well. Everyone seems to be getting wide open looks, and he's out there getting those same looks, but he's passing them up and just looking not very comfortable. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it's a confidence issue. Okay, that's good to know. Um, and then it looked like so we, I Harden had what forty three points in game three, yeah. but yeah. they still lost by. I think they ended up losing by double digits, or you know, it, they kind yeah, of yeah, eleven, yeah, broke it open in the end. So, do you think at this point, do you think the Spurs are okay with letting Harden go off as long as they stop, you know, the guys like Trevor Ariza, Lou Williams, Eric Gordon, Ryan Anderson? Oh, absolutely. That's look. That's why they lost Game One was because everyone participated. Like they, I think they went twenty-two for fifty Ooh. from outside the yard. <laughs> and 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 here's the thing. Like th- this this really bothered me because on Twitter and you know everywhere people were like, well the the Rockers just got hot and you know you can't stop them when they get hot. This wasn't really a question of them getting hot. They were getting wide open freaking looks mm-hmm. all game long. Like they were just outpassing you know the Spurs and just you know just slaughtering that defense they they got threes all over the court everyone was involved so that was like a united front that just you know hammered the Spurs mm. so obviously they needed to change up their game plan and now they are targeting you know the role players the the guys who make all those three like shut them out and just let Harden get 60 mm-hmm. let Capella get 25 doesn't matter just let each and every one of them, you know, the shooters, just take them out of the market. Mm. So, yeah, I think they are satisfied. And well, to, to San Antonio's credit, I thought for sure that Kawhi's point total was going to go down because I thought he would be so, in you know, in, in tune defensively. Like, that would be his strongest game plan was be, you know, you're, you're going to have to take Harden. You're going to have to close out on Ariza. Sometimes you're even going to guard, like... <laughs> Eric Gordon or Lou Williams or whatever mm-hmm. and he's done some of those things but he's still putting up 27 a game and doing so at a true shooting percentage of 68 <laughs> and he's also averaging 9.3 boards and 7 assists wow. so like in this series granted small sample size 3 games people who are complaining about his lack of all around game mm-hmm. can just shut up really because he's proving here that he has it he's always had it it's just a question of now it's needed now it's right. necessary and he's stepping up it seems like whenever he's asked to step up he does that again and again and f- even more so than the last time he like he improves upon it every time he's yeah. asked to step up he is like, can we all agree that he and LeBron are by far the best players in this postseason? Like, the, I don't know how you rank them if he if Kawhi is one or LeBron is two or the other way around, mm-hmm. but those two are like, they are right there alongside each other. There, there's a huge drop off to whoever's third. Like, it's amazing. Those two small forwards are just owning the league right now. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to talk to you guys since that Memphis Spurs game four, but that 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 game <laughs> oh, was just like his tour yeah. de force of like. You guys don't think I'm the MVP? <laughs> I'm going to keep hitting shots. I'm, I'm going to mm-hmm. single-handedly will my team back into this one. Yeah, he's been... Uh, he, he's just so fun. So That was his Reggie Miller in the garden moment. Yeah, that was... I, I mean, God, even though they lost that game, it was like, yeah. they're not losing that series because Kawhi can do that. It's just like, I, I don't know how... You, you know, you can win the game, but that's going to break your spirit. Right. over the long haul so Sarah 
What's your, uh, I'm guessing, actually, I don't know, because you're a Spurs skeptic. Who did you have winning this series <laughs> before it started, and what's your updated prediction now? Oh, I just hate to, I just hate to make predictions concerning them, but I did have, <laughs> I said Spurs in six. I think I would okay. stick with that. Um, they, they just, they cannot turn the ball over like they did in game three. They were very mm-hmm. fortunate. It's kind of crazy to me that the Rockets actually had, I think, their fewest fast break points of the series in game three and the Spurs turned the ball over 21 times. Wow. So, (laughs) uh, yeah, that's, that's interesting, but uh, I I would stay with that. I also, like you guys were talking about Kawhi, um, Morton and I kind of talked about, well, is is he going to guard Harden the whole time or what's going to happen there? We probably going to take breaks. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I thought it was going to be a lot of, you know, him and Danny green passing him off. Mm -hmm. But the last two games, he has pretty much been the primary guy on Harden from minute one. Um, and so I just wanted to point that out and give him credit because, yeah, he's now stepped up to leading the team. I think he's led the team in, like, points, assists, and rebounds almost every game, uh, yeah. and and he's guarding hard in every possession. So I, I don't understand, like, where he has the stamina. I don't either. Yeah. Oh, to be 25 again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Mort, who do you have in this series moving forward? Well, I had Spurs in seven, and I'm going to stick with that simply because I think some of the things that Kawhi are, is doing right now isn't really sustainable. Mm. He's shooting 57% from downtown. I mean, that, that sort of efficiency I don't think is going to hold up. He's He only has six turnovers for the whole series, despite playing 111 minutes, taking 50 shots and 21 assists, I mean, and handling the ball to the extent that he does. Six turnovers, I don't expect that to improve, mm-hmm. or, or improve, I don't think, I don't expect that to, to remain the same. Uh, so his level of play, I, I imagine, he, I think he's going to go down a little bit, because after all, I do believe at the end of the day that he is human, maybe, <laughs> possibly. Maybe. And then I don't trust LaMarcus at all, mm. even after the 26-pointer. And then I think Tony Parker losing him, like, the first time around, you can get a win off of losing him. Like, you know, everyone's coming and, like, we got to win this for Tony. Mm -hmm. We're going to do this. You know, that motivation is not going to stay there. Yeah. I don't think so. And Deontay Murray is still a rookie. Then you have Patty, who's going to have to play extended minutes. I'm not sure that that's something that he's all that used to, Mm -hmm. at least not in this case. So, and, and also Manu has really struggled, and I don't expect him to bounce back a whole lot. It seems like he's really having a rough postseason. So there are definitely some drawbacks with this old San Antonio team that I'm very worried about. So seven games, but I still think they're going to manage. I like it. See, I would have definitely said Rockets in six before the series started because I basically thought game one would happen four times. I just thought they had too many weapons, and you know, you know Kawhi and Danny can shut down two of them, but... I figured Powell and LaMarcus uh, defensively would have problems closing out on, especially when they play four or five shooters. Um, But now I'm starting to think that Pop versus Mike D'Antoni is the biggest mismatch in the series. (laughs) So uh, for that reason, I would go Spurs in six now. But I have no confidence in that pick. It would not surprise me if it went six, seven, or if Houston won. This is why I have Greg as my coach of the year. Yeah, it's a fair point. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's 
you know, <laughs> when I saw that they lost by 30 in game one, I just said a prayer for the Spurs coaches because I figured they would not be leaving their offices until game two. And, you know, based on the turnaround, it seems like that's what happened. So we'll, we'll see what happens in game four. And it is in Houston, so maybe Houston's, you know, the role players tend to play better at home. So maybe they get hot. But I, I think we can all agree we well maybe Sarah, you probably do not want the series to go long. But no. more you and I, I'm sure, would like to see oh, this for one sure. go seven. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the other two series now, neither of which are nearly as exciting. Cleveland, Toronto, more our hot take that the Raptors are making the finals is <laughs> It's on life support again, <laughs> and this time I don't think it's coming back. Uh, I don't remember ever saying <laughs> that. There's a reason it's called a hot take, folks. It's not yeah. not likely to happen. I'm sticking with my Wizards one, but... We, we should really learn, because yeah. you and I, we often look ridiculous, <laughs> and yet we continue like dropping hot takes all the time. Even though we look at each other, we know we're going to regret this, mm-hmm. and we're gonna keep, we keep on doing it. We, we need to get smarter, Brian. I mean, Skip Bayless makes like $6 million a year doing exactly that. So. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's our strategy. Right. I, I like it, yeah. yeah. It's the $6 million man strategy. So... <laughs> Based on what I've seen from the box score, it just seems like LeBron James is the best player on the planet, and he's reminding us of that consistently. Kyrie Irving also he had a playoff career-high 10 assists in Game 1 and 11 in Game 2. Kyle Lowry has an ankle injury, missed Game 3, and he's oh. sound doubtful for Game 4. Um, DeMar, DeMar DeRozan just isn't that good. Right. He he went scoreless in game two? Or no, he yeah. went he went score or he didn't hit a field goal. Oh right? wait, that wasn't it. Yeah. 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 I think it was something like that. Oh. I don't remember. He had a he had a hard, you know, really tough game. Yeah. I, I I'm more I'm more or less just glanced over this series because I sort of feel bad for Toronto. It just feels like a whooping. Just like one of those, you know, I'm back in the 1950s and I, I stole something from the fridge and my dad caught it and now he's taking out his belt kind of whooping. And I just feel so bad for Toronto at this point. Yeah. They are getting slaughtered. And so is it just, like, they just have no answer for LeBron? I saw DeMar offered $100 to anyone who could figure out a way to stop Does that him, feel really so. cheap to anyone else? Like, I'm yeah. insulted by that offer. <laughs> right, you have a definitely. lot more than $100 laying around. Come on. True. To yeah. guard LeBron? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Put a couple, you know, three, four zeros on that one. Yeah. Thing, maybe. That's true. He did just sign, what, like a $125 million 40, contract? Oh, yeah, $140 million, right. Forty. I think it was four, 145 or $146 million, yeah. So, you know, Lord knows he can afford it. But... To answer your question, no, you, you know, right now nobody is stopping LeBron. He is he is hitting from everywhere, like shooting sixty percent from the field, over fifty from downtown, averaging thirty six, eight boards, five assists. He's playing a hell of a lot of minutes, though. I'm kind of wondering if that's necessary. Mm-hmm. I, I I feel they're kind of pushing their luck a little bit. Like he's averaging almost forty minutes a game in this series, which wow. really isn't necessary when you look at how the games have you know gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, he's right now. He's just, you know, putting up that middle finger to the rest of the NBA and to all <laughs> us, you know, podcasters and whatnot. Like I'm still here. Right. It's the yearly tradition of we fall in yeah. love with someone during the regular season, and this year it was Ross and Kawhi and Harden, mm. and then come postseason, LeBron's like, "Hey guys, I'm still the best player on the planet. Yeah. Like, don't, yeah. don't forget it." Um, yeah. 
Wow. Okay. So, it, I mean, it sounds like Lowry said he's probably going to miss game four. Sarah, do you, is there anything the Raptors could do to stave off elimination if Kyle Lowry misses that game? <laughs> I mean, they were, like, relatively close last game, weren't they? At, at points. Been closer than... Yeah, I mean, it's sad. Tw- it's, just a 21-point loss. It's, right. Yeah, it's sad because it's like the Warriors. Like, I want to say, like, that series with Utah has been relatively close. But there's a different standard with those teams. It's like if you right. keep them sort of, like, within 10 for most of the game, you were close. Yeah. But, right. yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. I mean... Kojo had a rough game last game. Mm-hmm. I think he'll be better in game four. It's just, they just need a little bit more than what they're getting. Um, they're getting next to nothing from Damari Carroll. I don't know what's what's going on there. I, he hardly played yeah. last game. Um, yeah, and they're up against LeBron, like they said. What I think it was Lowry who said, you know, they have LeBron and nobody's closing the gap on him. Mm. So, yeah, the truer words were never spoke. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, so I do love the hundred dollar offer though. Yeah. Somebody said, uh, "Oh, Kawhi Leonard cost like seventeen mil this year." So <laughs> yeah. I can't tell you how bad I want that finals again, uh, Ooh, and I just yeah. wish that the Warriors didn't exist. Like, can we just give them their own trophy and tell them to go away and <laughs> right. just watch a finals that we might enjoy? I know people. Some people are looking forward to uh, Cavs Warriors round three, but. The, the longer the, the playoffs go on, I'm really not anymore, as well as LeBron has played. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just those darn Warriors. I yeah. don't see anybody slowing them down. Yeah, so nope. Spurs, Spurs, Cavs, round... Well, I guess this would be round two after 2007, but yeah, like Spurs, LeBron, <laughs> <laughs> round four or five would be... That would be a treat. Um, yeah, so is P.J. Tucker, is he not doing anything against LeBron? Because that's... I remember at the trade deadline, we thought he would actually be a big piece to help them, you know, with, like, Carroll, Tucker, maybe DeRozan, maybe some Norm Powell. But I'm guessing... You remember Gerald Wilkins back in the day? Mm-hmm. You know, he, he came into that series. I think he was a Cav by then. And he was billed the Jordan stopper. Mm-hmm. It was up against Michael and the Bulls. Yeah. And Jordan took it personally. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, no. that's it, it. Has that sort of feel to it. Okay, so LeBron's just annihilating PJ Tucker every time. He's annihilating everyone. Oh, it's, good. Okay, it's uncanny. Let, let me let me give you guys a little <laughs> number here, which I think is, this isn't about LeBron specifically. This is just about the team dominance. <clears throat> Toronto has taken just sixteen more three pointers than the Cavs have made. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay. Well, that that sums up that series. So, here yep. here's my question about the Raptors then. And we could talk more about this next time when they're officially eliminated, but hypothetically, say they do lose game 4. What's next for them? Cuz now Kyle Lowry and Ibaka are both free agents. This was basically the Ibaka and PJ Tucker trades yeah. where they're basically they're all in push cuz they don't have I mean, if they re-sign Ibaka and Kyle Lowry, they're not going to have cap space to add anyone else of major value unless they get, like, you know, a Joe Johnson on a discount deal or David Lee or someone, like a veteran ring chasing, basically. But they don't have the cap space to sign anyone else. So if if their ceiling is 
you know, wherever we meet LeBron, we're going to get swept or we're going to get knocked out in five games or six games. Does that affect how you go into this offseason, what what you're thinking if you're Messiah Uri? No. Not not if that's the idea, like, oh, LeBron is going to kill us. But, you know, if they continue to go into the postseason and routinely struggle mm-hmm. like they always seem to do if this pattern re-emerges every single year then that is going to be have that's that's going to have to be the 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 reasoning for splitting this team up mm. not you can't really say oh lebron is there so we might as well even though i i get the logic like i i understand that teams are right now are rebuilding because they are looking at the warriors and going well for the next five years <laughs> we can rebuild right I get that, but when you have a team that is a you know continuously fighting for Eastern Conference Finals appearances, then you got to keep that ship moving. Mm-hmm. However, however, this is like the third year in a row that the Raptors have stunk up the joint in the playoffs. Like low efficiency, the fact that they can't shoot has proven once again accurate, and and made it really a tough game for him that it seems like every single game is really a you know scraps or survive mentality they have to take on i'm not even sure how they beat milwaukee Mm -hmm. i mean i look back at that series and i'm still like how did that even happen (laughs) yeah so at this point in time even though i agree with everything they did like getting pg getting Serge Ibaka, like going all in i i love their idea yeah but it didn't work out it's they are getting killed because of all those problems they had before that reemerged. So now I am flipping it around from my, you know, at least from my perspective. Mm-hmm. It's time to do something else. Mm-hmm. If that means not re-signing Kyle Lowry, who is I believe what thirty-one, mm-hmm. something like that, yeah. 31, 32. and not re-signing Serge Ibaka, and trading DeMar DeRozan to whoever is willing look I get it 27 point a game score is should supposedly have high value mm-hmm. but if you can't deliver in the playoffs for three straight seasons your value is going to decline sure. so get that contract off the books get DeMar Carroll off the books for whatever the hell you can take that isn't a worse deal mm-hmm. and then rebuild I you know you have one of the sharpest GMs in the biz right there I mean, Lord knows if anyone's up for it, Masai Ujiri is. Yeah. Sarah, but, Sarah do you feel yeah. the same way, or do you think they should roll it back and hope LeBron finally ages a little bit next year? <laughs> uh, I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing, but I tend to agree with, with Morton. Those are actually the two guys that I was going to say try try to move on from, but it's easier to say, you know, because obviously, yeah, the value isn't going to be great right now for for carol or for derozan but i'm sure there's somebody who would roll the bones on derozan oh the lakers would in yeah. point three seconds yeah. so well we don't know though we don't shot. really yeah. know yeah. like the tendencies of rob palinka that's true that's true. Like, true but you know the knicks would yeah that's that's <laughs> well derozan's a la kid though right and they, I, feel I, like, I know but like yeah you know the knicks you could you could probably get like a fair haul for from the knicks because Look, James Dolan, this is a 27-point-per-game score. Right. You can market him. Yeah. Oh, well, then I'm going to have to send him one of my CDs. <laughs> I mean, they are looking to move Carmelo. Right. 
That's interesting. I'll do that. Yeah. I'll do that. Yeah. That. Hmm. Yep. Okay. So I, I'm, I'll start Norma Powell. Right. Yeah. I'm kind of with you guys. I, you know, I, I'm with you more and I loved what they did. I think this was the time to go all in because Lowry is about to be a free agent and you don't know that you're going to get another chance with this core, but it does seem, you know, I wouldn't hate it if they roll it back because yeah, maybe, you know, maybe Ibaka with a full season under his belt, maybe they realize, you know, start off with him at the five right away. It seems like Dwayne Casey's kind of been shifting his lineup from game to game at this point. And like JV is going in and out of the starting lineup. So maybe you figure out a way to better maximize both of those players if you have more time with them. But mm. I, yeah, I mean, I, I do think there's at least some argument, you know, that if this is, the ceiling for this team, you know, it's kind of the same thing we've talked about with the Clippers before. Like, do you want to get locked into that core and just, you know, it's great to be in the second round every year for sure. Like most teams would kill to be that far, but Mm -hmm. does this team have championship upside based on what we've seen this year and the past couple of years, it's becoming harder and harder to argue that. Yeah. Unfortunately. Right. Like, because you and I, I mean, we we were we were drinking the Kool Aid yeah. for a little bit. Oh yeah, and and look, they're a fun team. Yeah, like they they are also a team that you could easily love. Mm-hmm. Like they don't have that one guy who goes around, you know, talks back to the rev, and mm-hmm. you know, is right. flopping a whole lot. Like they're good, high quality guys who are you know high character guys, I should say, and they're all immensely talented. Like De Rosen, even though we crap on his shooting, is brilliant his footwork is beautiful mm. his mid-range game is is absolutely outstanding kyle lowry one of the one of the more dynamic guards in the whole game valanchunas like this season or this series alone he's been pretty good he's not been playing a whole lot his defense has been a little bit off but he's scoring at a high rate he's rebounding well like he is a skilled player it's just a matter of of mixing everything up maybe if i'm just gonna air it maybe a different coach mm-hmm it could be Dwayne Casey, potentially, because three years in a row with this kind of talent, it might be time to look at the bench and say, you know what, we need a change. Mm-hmm. Fred Hoiberg. I'm, not, I'm just not. He's available. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure why you would want to downgrade <laughs> right. us. Right. But, you know, um, a Jeff Van Gundy, mm. defensive-minded, he would get a lot out of Ibaka. He would more than likely you know, be able to take Jonas under his wing mm-hmm. and get the big fella going because Jeff is a guy who can get big men going. Like he coached Yao as well, yeah. so he knows like how to utilize that. That's true. And 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 Patrick Ewing, obviously. Mm-hmm. Je- Jeff Van Gundy, you know, on Toronto, I wouldn't hate that. Yeah. Even though it's been what eight years more since he's coached. I don't know. Right. It's right. been a while. Yeah. But since I mean, I would I would probably roll that dice. Yeah. So we'll we'll talk more about Toronto's future probably next week because i'm assuming they will no longer be in the playoffs as early as later today um well you won't be high as a kite right yeah (laughs) i might have readjusted to american time by then (laughs) um all right let's move on to the last series equally unexciting golden state utah the warriors are up three zero seemed just like Kevin Durant and Stephen Curry are good at basketball. Who knew? And Draymond Green's still good, too. I guess Klay Thompson doesn't seem like he's been playing all that well this series, and it 
doesn't no. matter. Um, George Hill missed games two and three. He's had big toe soreness for like much of the year, missed a bunch of games during the regular season, missed games two and three with that as well. Um, I, I, as far as I know, his status is uncertain for game four, but I can't see Utah pushing him. You know, He's about to be a free agent. I doubt he's going to want to risk exacerbating the injury if they have very little chance of coming back in this series. So, Sarah, assuming Hill does miss game four... I'm going to ask you the same question I did about the Raptors. Are there any adjustments that Utah can make to at least stave off elimination for one game? You're going to get basically the same blank stare that you got last time. (laughs) Um, No, I think George is really important, honestly. And that's, I think maybe if he plays either of the last two games, maybe they they steal one of those. Mm -hmm. But it's just, I do want to tip my cap to Utah because they're doing kind of what I thought they would. Honestly, they're playing the Warriors well, about as well as you can. Uh, they've kind of slowed the Warriors down. Uh, they've limited them somewhat. I think the biggest issue is, you know, when they've been close, as in the last quarter of, I think it was a two-point game going into the fourth quarter last night, uh, game three in Utah. Um, I just think that maybe they they don't really know how to close right now and I mean having to do it against the Warriors is a tall task but uh, I just think you know you saw that even a little bit in the first round against the Clippers they kind of in in closing time did a lot of the ISO Joe thing and Mm -hmm. I don't know that they really know what else to do Uh, I think George would help a little bit with that uh, if they let him have the ball but that's kind of their problem and then on the other end you've got the Warriors, who Morton and I talked about last week, it's it's kind of the thing we don't talk about as much, but their fourth quarter defense clamps down and suffocates you. So, yeah, I think that combined with the fact that I think the, the Jazz are still kind of figuring out how they want to close games has has really been the thing that separated the two. But but mm-hmm. the Warriors are not smoking them. Um, so, I would I want to give the Jazz some credit for that. They are playing well. I just think they need. George Hill. Uh, that's yeah. that's a really important mm. piece to their puzzle, and you saw that all year. But uh, that the added length, the added experience, playoff experience, you know, th- that would be really, really nice to have. Mm-hmm. So, Mort, I'm going to ask you the same question I did about the Raptors. Let's assume the Jazz do get swept. Um, do you think George Hill's absence gives them reason to roll back this same core. You know, Hill and Hayward are both going to be free agents after this year. Do you think they see, you know, Hill's absence is like, hey, you know, we didn't have our full strength squad and we're not getting totally annihilated. So let's, you know, let's everyone resign here. We have a real chance to beat this Warriors team if everyone is healthy. Or do you think this sends a message like oh, the Warriors are just too good? Everyone go run to the Eastern Conference where you can, <laughs> where you you know you'll run into the LeBron, but that's it. No, I I think they have every reason to roll everything back because they're on the uptick. Mm-hmm. And good lord, I'm gonna say it, they have the league's best center. So I think that's a huge thing. Um, Gobert was 7 of 15 from the free throw line last night, which was obviously not good, but he is a better free throw shooter than that. And if he had hit like his regular season percentage, I think the Jazz would have been able to 
get enough leeway in terms of their lead, and I think they would have kept it, and I think they would have won. Mm. You also have to remember that Rodney Hood and Joe Johnson played about as bad as you could be. Mm-hmm. I mean, they scored a combined ten points on twenty shots. Oof. That's yeah, that was horrific. And you you're not gonna, you know that Rodney Hood is not going to go one for eight. Like overall, he's a he's a lot better than than what he showed last night. And he he does have his games where you know he's not that consistent, but he's still young. Mm-hmm. When he is developed a little bit more and he can play alongside Gordon Hayward and take more of that offensive load off him, I think they're going to get so much better. Yeah. And especially, and, and think about it, Gobert isn't done developing. No, no, no. At no. all. Yeah. So I, I definitely love this Jazz team, and I see no reason whatsoever to blow it up. Having said that, if Gordon Hayward, like, signs with Boston mm-hmm. or something, which I don't anticipate, but if it does, if he, if he does, then, yeah, then there's no reason to bring back George Hill, at least. Yeah. Because then you will need to start, like, not a complete rebuild, but you would need a retooling process. Mm-hmm. And you can, like, trade Derek Favors away and build around Hood and go bear, that kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, it's tough because I feel like with the Raptors, the choice is probably more in their court than for Utah. Like, if yeah. the Raptors offer max deals for... Lowry and Ibaka, I don't see those guys saying no. Whereas Hayward, you know, maybe he does really want to go back to Brad Stevens. I don't. I'm with you, Mort. I don't think. I think that whole thing is overblown, and it seems like he's happy in Utah. And it would not surprise me to see those guys all wind up back there. But it does feel like Utah's in a little bit more of a precarious situation, just because Hayward is going to be one of the most desired free agents this summer. He's going to get maxed everywhere. Um, mm. George Hill, you know, Utah tried to extend and negotiate him, or renegotiate and extend with him. They couldn't reach an extension by the deadline. We don't know how much money he's going to make this summer. It, I, it could be up to a max, which is then you're starting to get a little pricey. That's a lot. Yeah. yeah he's, that's a lot. he's not a spring chicken anymore. He's I think he's also 30 or 31. Um, so yeah, it, it's an interesting time for Utah. Uh, Sarah, I want to ask you this because it, it could affect your Spurs in the next round, potentially. Steve Kerr is still out indefinitely. Uh, it sounds like he just had surgery Friday or like a spinal tap, some sort of procedure where they drained his spinal fluid because he's having complications from the surgery he had a couple years ago. If he does have to miss the rest of the playoffs, how much, if at all, does that affect Golden State's chances of winning the title? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that it really affects it at all. Um, you'd love to be able to have him around, obviously, and I feel just terrible for the guy that he seems to be in pretty constant agony. Um, mm. But, you know, Mike Brown, I, people have pointed out, he's, he seems to not hesitate to go to that death lineup uh, even more often than, than Kerr. Um, mm which I don't know, you can look at that as that, that helps their chances. I don't know how, I mean, I suppose it could hurt them if it wears them down a little more, but he's not, like, overplaying them. So, I don't know. I mean, I would worry a little bit about his game-to-game adjustment, but the thing is, people are still having to adjust to the Warriors, so I don't know that they're really going to be required to adjust that much to anything they face. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't think it, it really hurts them that much. Yeah, yeah. I think that's 
you know, I, I like what Kerr brings to the table. It seems like he has a really good pulse of the team, but mm-hmm. at, at a certain point, you just have so much talent on that team. I feel like they can almost coach themselves. Um, so, you know, best wishes to Steve Kerr, obviously. I It sounds like Bob Myers, was, he talked to the media, I think, today, and basically said we hope we can have him back sooner than later so it seems like maybe there's still at least a chance that he comes back during the playoffs at some point but his timetable is very much uncertain so until we know more just wanted to send best wishes to coach Kerr and hope he gets better soon because yeah that does not sound does not sound fun um okay let's talk about a few of the other happenings throughout the association among the non-playoff teams I think you guys briefly mentioned this last week, but I want to bring it up again in the context of a soon-to-be free agent. Larry Bird stepped down as the Pacers' president. I think this was last week. So, Mort, what do you think this means for Paul George? Because, you know, we, we mentioned he's a free agent in 2018. There were at least speculation that he might be traded at the trade deadline, then they get waxed by Cleveland in the playoffs, and he's throwing shade left and right during post-game press conferences. <laughs> Do you think this increases the chances of him being traded, decreases the chances, or it has no real effect? Bye-bye birdie means bye-bye George. <laughs> That's where I stand. I don't think Paul George is going to stick around. Well, we know he's not going to stick around. I think he's going to get traded because... You know they're not going to try to lose him for nothing. Mm-hmm. They're going to get like fifteen cents back on the dollar. Yeah, they know that. We all know that. But fifteen cents beats nothing. Right. So I'm not sure where he gets sent. Uh, I could imagine they that he would give them a list of teams, mm-hmm. and then they would try to figure something out, sort of like Carmelo. And it, the thing is, though, I I could s- suspect that George would just like say, you know, it's the Lakers or or nothing. Which would really force their hand, because then what do you do? Well, he doesn't have like, a no-trade clause, does he? Like, he can't. Well, no, but if he does that, and he makes oh, it public yeah, as yeah, well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, right. that's, because that's that's what happened with Melo as well. Mm-hmm. He kind of forced himself to New York. And, and being public in today's market is just huge, because it drives down the price yeah. for everyone else. So, um but, you know, I, I would probably consider it as well. Like, Brandon Ingram, good player, not really in love with him at all. Mm-hmm. But still, he, he's a piece that you can build with. Yeah. So if you're going to blow it up, why not get, like, yeah, Brandon Ingram, maybe Ivaka Subak as well? Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, why not? It's Paul George. Right, exactly. And, I mean, depending on what happens at the draft lottery... The Lakers could have a top three pick coming their way this year as well, so that's one more chip in their trade ammunition. Oh, they're not getting that up. You think so? I don't think they're giving that up at all. Uh, if it was number three, I don't think they would. Really? Yeah, why not? If, they, if you knew if you knew he'd be coming your way in a year. You can assume he will, but you can't... Nothing's official until he signs. Like, if he's right. an all-NBA player next year, then he gets an extra $70 million to stay in Indiana. Still, though. I mean, we all knew that Dwight was going to go to Houston like all year long when he was in LA yeah. because it just made so much sense and there was a little buzz about it. And then George here more or less hinting that he wants to go home. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I'm kind of thinking that would be too risky. I, if I'm in the Lakers, I would 
definitely keep the pick and then just wait it out and see what happens. And only, I'm not yeah. Yeah. and only offer like Ingram, Zubach, Clarkson. Right. Would you throw in Clarkson? Oh, that's good. Because now now we're not at fifteen cents on the dollar. Mm-hmm. Now we're at like forty five, fifty cents on the dollar. I I, I probably would if if it came down to like we have to make it you know we have to make a decision like within the within the hour yeah and i'd be like it's paul george right <laughs> we've got to do it yeah and then hope for the best yeah i think so too so we'll yeah we'll see what happens with paul george i, I think it'll it, we'll know more probably even as soon as may 16th when the draft lottery happens because if the lakers get that pick again it's one more thing they can dangle in front of the the Pacers faces uh Boston too you know if Boston misses out on the number one overall pick if they follow three or four and you know that's probably Josh Jackson or Jason Tatum so you've got a small forward heir apparent to Paul George there if you want um so yeah it could be promises to be an interesting summer in Indiana to say the least uh, the other big front office shakeup that we had this week was Atlanta. It sounds like Mike Budenholzer is still the head coach, but is no longer the team's president. Wes Wilcox, the former general manager, well, he, he was the general manager. He is now the former general manager. It is unclear. It sounds like he's staying in the organization in some capacity, but unclear exactly what he's going to be doing. Um I mean, again, for them, they've got even a more imminent decision than Indiana because Paul Millsap is a free agent this summer. Tim Hardaway Jr. is a restricted free agent this summer. Um, again, where, what do you think happens with Atlanta? Do you think these oh, these man. changes affect you know what they what their off season thinking is? Well, it probably should because they're not going anywhere. Paul is going to be 32 if he isn't already. He's still a fantastic player, like really fantastic. But you're not going to commit a long-term, you know, long-term money to him at this point in time. I at least I wouldn't if if it's near the max. Like what is that for? Uh, 140 million, something like more. More, actually. yeah. If you do the yeah. five-year max, it's more. Oh, I wouldn't touch that. Mm. And he's he's probably if he's opting out, it's to take like the the big deal mm-hmm. the one that he says this is this is a deal that i'm going to retire on afterwards yeah i i want no part of that i will probably be interested in taking up offers on dwight and i'll re-sign tim hardaway jr assuming it's a decent price because he's not like a, a, a max guy oh, yeah. so if someone maxes him out then, oh, gosh. you know bye yeah <laughs> uh and, and and you know I like him I I really do and I would I would match a large deal but not something that's near a max because that's ridiculous. I'm not sure about Schroeder, like he has some value. He's up and coming. He's young. He's you know he's he's becoming a, a not great but a good point guard. Mm-hmm. Not defensively though, but offensively speaking, he can still he can pass and he's become a much better jump shooter than we ever thought he would be. Which is huge for his trade value, mm-hmm. so maybe consider that as well. Just blowing everything up. I'm not really sure what to do there. It's 
it's such a cluster F. Yeah. Really. Yeah. I mean, they have, I think they've made the playoffs for like 10 straight years, 10 or 11 straight years. So they're in that dreaded, it's not like uh, the treadmill of mediocrity because they're still making the playoffs every year, but right. it's the, like the treadmill of having no ceiling because you know this core. You know, a couple of years ago they were in the Eastern Conference Finals. They had the the Teague and Corver and Damari Carroll when he was still good, that whole thing. Yeah. But now it's, you know, they, they've got a totally different team. Sarah, I want to ask you about Schroeder in particular because I know you're not a huge fan of him. I saw him throwing shade at Dwight Howard the other day, <laughs> and I want to read this quote and then get your thoughts about it. So he, he was saying about Howard, on the defensive end, he has to show more effort. I have to show more effort. On the offensive end, the same thing. I don't know what it is. After practice, maybe, stay here for 20 more minutes and figure out what we have to do in the game. We, for sure, have to be better. So, with that in mind, what do you think the Hawks are... How, how should they be feeling about their plans this offseason? Do you think the Schroeder-Howard combination needs to be broken up? Do you think there's any coming back from that? Were you wondering if that made me a bigger fan of his? <laughs> <laughs> so I think it actually helps, yeah. Because um, I'm not a huge Dwight Howard fan either, as you know. Mm, yeah. um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that really changes anything, but yeah, I mean, it's not super encouraging. Um, but I just have more misgivings about both players just for their on-the-court value, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And then they're going to clash because, yeah, they're going to have some issues uh, as far as how they play, and they're not going to enjoy that. Um, but yeah, I just I, I don't like to... Um, I know that's part of what we do here. I don't like to criticize players too much, but... Um, I just don't think that he, that he's a starting point guard, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I wouldn't have him as my starter. Uh, he's definitely got ability, and I think he's a really good guy off the bench, but I, I don't think I'd want him running the team. Um, and then you got Howard, who, I mean, sure is not wrong. I Sometimes Dwight does not give the effort defensively that he's mm-hmm. capable of. Um, mm. And, okay, yeah, sometimes it's... Uh, maybe because he gets disillusioned because he's not as involved offensively and maybe sometimes that has to do with Dennis uh, controlling the ball too much and chucking up bad shots so yeah they both could work on it and if they agree to over the summer and they're committed to that that maybe it'll be all right but you know you'd have to ask the the Atlanta front office how uh how much they believe that's going to happen mm-hmm. yeah it, it seems like I mean, who knows, you know, Dwight has this reputation of, you know, he's always had it, like, he just coasts on his natural gift, it's kind of the same thing that, the perception that Shaq had, especially later in his career, like, he doesn't put forth the effort that he, you know, he's not, like, busting his ass like LeBron, like, showing up at 6am every morning before everyone else and leaving after everyone else, um, who knows if that's true, but... Right. That quote from Shooter does not exactly inspire much confidence in their ability to forge a long-term working relationship together. So, we again, we will see what happens with Atlanta this offseason. I'm sure we will be talking about them plenty in the days yeah. and weeks leading up to free agency, um, especially once we get clarity about... Sounds like Paul Millsap <laughs> is definitely opting out, uh, but maybe we'll start getting a sense of 
how much you know which teams are interested, how much Hardaway Jr. is going to command. Because more when you said someone maxing him out, you sent chills down my spine. I thought <laughs> I thought we learned from last summer. My God, that would be no, no, no. That's yeah. That... We did. We didn't. We didn't learn anything. <laughs> By the way, is it me or is the Dennis Dwight you know feud? Sort of like a cosplay version of Kobe Shaq. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you look at it. Yeah. Like, you have that one guy who takes all these, like, long shots, like, off the, you know, when someone sets the screen, he goes off and he just shoots and chucks, and then you have the big fella under the basket, like, give me the damn ball, he doesn't get it, then he pouts and doesn't participate defensively, then the other guy gets pissed, and then it's just, like, all around circle. But the fact is that they are so far down right. on the charts as opposed to Kobe and Shaq. Right. It's just like the cosplay version. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's bad like, cosplay. It, like, yeah. did you put yeah. any effort into your costume at all? <laughs> like, no money. Paper bag wearing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it, it's it's almost irrelevant. Like, you know, most beefs, NBA beefs, like Warren's headlines, but you're like, Schroeder and uh, Dwight Howard, you're like, eh. right. Like, whatever. Who cares? You know, yeah. yeah. You guys aren't going to do anything anyway, so that's fine. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Let's talk about this other other dysfunctional Eastern Conference franchise, the New York Knicks. Uh, <laughs> ESPN.com's Ian Begley reported that several teams reached out to the Knicks to inquire about Kristaps Porzingis' availability after his well-known eruption at the end of the season when he skipped out on exit meetings and sent some failed shots at the Knicks through every reporter who would listen. Um, Mort, what, what do you think about this? Do you think, is Kristaps untouchable, or should the Knicks at least be listening to offers on him? See, all right. I actually have a problem with this, because we are, are right now talking about a franchise that is so incompetent that we shouldn't really look at it in that you know, through that perspective, we should look at it through Kristaps' pers- perspective instead. Mm, okay. Because honestly, to answer your question, who cares what the Knicks should or shouldn't do since they're so goddamn stupid <laughs> at everything they do? Right. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. We should look at how does Kristaps get the hell out of there. <laughs> yeah. So we should hope that the Knicks would be listening to offers. We should hope that Kristaps is going, hmm, that qualifying offer, I know it's a risk, but right. <laughs> let me get the hell out of here after my fifth year. I feel so bad for this kid being in a place that is just riddled with rotten tendencies, egomaniacs at in ownership levels that is just, you know, narcissistic isn't even the word. It's just, it's such a poor place for this beautiful unicorn to develop. (laughs) So for the love of Michael Jordan, let's hope that the Knicks are indeed that stupid that they are listening to offers, and let's hope that they are inclined to trade him for five cents on the dollar, because why not? Get him out of there right now. Just find him a better home. I don't care. Put him up in a shelter. I'll adopt him. I don't care. (laughs) Just get him out of there. And of course, you know, if I have to take it seriously, yes, they should look at him as the franchise player, because he's obviously going to be that for someone but good lord what a situation right and this is what i am really frightened about this could hinder his development Mm -hmm. this could limit what he would ultimately become like 
let's be honest. If you are a, what is he, 21? 20, 21? Yeah, 21, I think. Or may, yeah, 21. No, 21. 22. Super, super 20, young. Yeah, right, super young. You're 21, you know, 7 foot 3, power forward slash center with a unique set of skills. Mm-hmm. You have virtually every chance of not becoming Dirk, but mimicking his career in certain areas. You have every ability to become a better rebounder, better defender. You can run the floor. You can be that tier one superstar. But you're stuck in an organization that can barely figure out to, you know, probably, I don't know, synchronize their email accounts. (laughs) It wouldn't even surprise me that that's the level we're at. Would you feel, you know, ready or committed to working your ass off to become better while wearing that jersey. I sure as hell wouldn't. Yeah. Someone really should just make, like, an ASPCA commercial, but put Kristaps in <laughs> instead of the sad dogs and cats. <laughs> like, please donate $20 a month to get Kristaps Porzingis on a real NBA team. Yeah. Sarah, Sarah McLaughlin music. music. Yeah. Yep, 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 yeah. yep, yep. yep. <laughs> Uh, oh no, Sarah. Where do you stand? Oh, we just gave SB Nation an idea. Yeah, we really did. Mm. Sarah, where do you stand with Kristaps uh, and the Knicks? Do you think they should be listening to offers on him, or should they just hang up the phone anytime someone says his name? Honestly, they better talk to him if they can even get a hold of him at this point. Fair <laughs> um, mm. point. Because I mean, if if he's that upset with them right now and. I guess listening to some offers isn't a terrible thing, but but at the same time, right now is probably not a good idea because people know that he's upset with you. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you have to ride it out at least this year, I would think, unless things just completely burn down over the course of the next season. Um, but yeah, it's just a shame. He's really, he's the one thing they've done right in yeah. years. So imagine i mean in a way it might help set free the, the last remaining knicks fans as well if they <laughs> right. got rid of him they'd be like oh, you know yeah. what done yeah but uh yeah. <laughs> i do feel bad for them though because you know they do they come in every year optimistic i don't know how but they do <laughs> they're like yeah this is the year knicks and yeah every year it's a tire fire yeah it's just... i actually have a story about that because my best friend he um he was in New York for about six months doing an internship, and he went to a Knicks game. And it was it was actually the game Derrick Rose didn't show up to because he oh, traveled yeah. back to. Right. So that was against New Orleans, and Anthony Davis just went off. So right before the game, people were coming in, and they were you know hootering and hollering, "Yo, go Knicks!" and whatever. Then like midway through the first quarter, the first quarter, it was like, oh. I remember who the Knicks are suddenly, <laughs> and now it's just everything is bad, and boo here, and boo there. It turned, like, so quickly. It was just, like, the starting lineup. Hey, let's go for our boys. Come on. Yeah, give it up. And then, like, six, seven minutes later, oh, damn it. It's the <laughs> like, what did you, did you, did you even know what you bought tickets for? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's similar. So it sounds similar to the Philly fan, Brian. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. Especially the Eagles fan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But this is the year. Yeah, Super Bowl. <laughs> this year, man. <laughs> and yeah, it's like game two. Boo! Yeah. <laughs> Sucks! What's the bomb? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, question, question to you guys, because I actually don't know this. Mm-hmm. If Chris Tops refuses to report to training camp, 
and he's under contract. Mm-hmm. Like, I know the Knicks can sue. I think he, they can sue him, right, or whatever. I would assume like, they would just what? fine him or like hold withhold his pay. Yeah, but yeah, like if he didn't report the whole year, would it still count as a year on his contract? Is that kind of what you're asking? No, well, yeah, yeah, actually, because then if he did that and made no like secret, I, I don't even want to go back for another year. They would have to like decline his fourth year option, right? Or at least try to trade him in the meantime. I would like yeah, something. I don't know how that would work. I would assume. That, I wonder if there's if that's ever happened. If there's like historical precedent, at least in the last like couple CBAs, probably in the sixties and seventies. I, I don't think there is. Yeah, so I would that's, assume that's... maybe the option rolls over, and like mm-hmm. he just wouldn't get like it, it, they would still have two years left on his deal. But I'm completely guessing. I have no real idea i i I don't think it's gonna come to that point luckily no no but yeah you know i think the nba the nbpa would intervene i'm sure adam silver would intervene um you know you can't have one of your young unicorns withholding his services for a whole year then that's the follow-up question because if he intervenes like where does he intervene yeah, with Chris Tops or with the Knicks because she should intervene with Knicks. the Knicks yeah. because they're the run they're the ones being you know run like a poorly constructed kindergarten. Well, Jerry Colangelo can be available at any time, <laughs> so I, I've I've heard that was a weird. I've heard thing, that yeah. Adam Silver, when teams are being poorly run, tends to implement a Colangelo in the front office. So <laughs> it seems like Jerry is long overdue to arrive with the Knicks and the Sacramento Kings. Which one gets oh, him first? <laughs> Who knows? Um, I mean, just in general, you know, we've talked about this before. There are, I could maybe count on two hands, maybe even one hand, the number of guys who are like truly untouchable, right? It's LeBron, it's Curry, it's Kawhi, it's Kevin Durant, probably James Harden, probably Russ. Like, after that... Giannis. Yeah, okay, Giannis, yes. But after that, like, there isn't... I mean, Anthony Davis is as close to untouchable as you can get without actually being untouchable, mm. but th- those injuries at least make him... Uh, like, there there are very few guys who you should just not even remotely consider trading. Like every, Like, yeah. it hurts me to say this... But Joel Embiid is not in that camp yet because of his injury history. Right, right. Like, well, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. But if, you know, if someone called the Sixers and offered, like, a godfather mega deal for Joel Embiid, you have to at least consider it. And the same thing goes for the Knicks. Like, if someone, you know, if, I don't know, if Dallas wins the number one overall pick and offers mm. Seth Curry and that number one overall pick and who cares what else? For Kristaps, yeah, you gotta at least consider it, right? You don't necessarily right. have to take it, but it's like not outside of the realm of possibility. So I don't think you know. I would be very surprised if Kristaps Porzingis was not in the Knicks uniform come November 2017. But mm. I don't think he's in the realm of an untouchable. You know, especially not yet. Like he hasn't, he hasn't yet shown that he can be a number one option on a team and he's you know this year he struggled with some Achilles injuries yeah it's scary it's not you know it's not Embiid scary but he does have it's not like he has a clean bill of health like Carl Anthony Towns I guess is probably also 
I'd probably put him in the untouchable camp. But yeah, I was also remembering a couple of names like yeah, we could probably yeah two hands in this. Right, is, right, right. Kind of necessary. But the yeah, point being, I get your Chris Apps is not yet at that level where mm. you know a team calls the Knicks says hey we're gonna offer you this like ridiculous blockbuster offer and the Knicks are like nope we're we're good we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna keep the malcontent thank you <laughs> so. Right, but if he refuses to report to camp, for example, yeah. his value is just down the drain. Like, already now, teams are calling because they are assuming that they could get him cheaper. For sure. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, but it's... Oh, it's interesting, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, so... I really, I really don't want to see... I, I really don't want to see him continue his career with the Knicks. No, no. Like, at all. I don't think anyone outside of the New York metropolitan area does. So yeah. we, I'm sure the Knicks will be also on our tongues a lot this summer, especially, you know, Carmelo is going to be, we're not even going to, a Clipper. Yeah, right. We're not even <laughs> going to touch that one for a while. Um, but Kristaps is just yet another reason to keep an eye on the Knicks this summer. So that will do it for us this week at the NBA podcast. Wanted to thank everyone for joining us. Just a reminder, you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod. You can find all three of our handles in our bio, so give us a follow as well. Also, check us out on iTunes. If you're listening to this on Audio Boom right now, our iTunes link is at the bottom of the player. Uh, you can subscribe, download, leave some reviews. We'd love any feedback. And again, we're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports, so check us out there uh, at FanRag Sports on Twitter and at FanRag NBA for their NBA content. Until next time, I'm Brian Toporek, and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. Have a good one, you two. You too, Brian. Get some sleep. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Welcome to Total Wine & More. It's much more than a wine store. It's the eighth wonder of the world. When people talk about Total Wine & More, they get a little carried away. We're just a big, friendly place run by people with a passion for wine and beer. See, we travel the world to find the best wines from the best regions, and we sell them at the lowest prices anywhere. And friendly, helpful experts at every turn. You know what? Maybe we are the eighth wonder of the world. Shop in-store or online at TotalWine.com. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations.